On behalf of every nation, Bahrain, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, just give me a moment to set up. Here we go. Turn around. All right. So I see new faces. All right. Thank you so much. Who came? Who's here for the first time? Can you raise your hand? Well, thank you so much. And we also have someone here. I hope you get to meet you later. Uh, we get to spend some time. Now, on behalf of every nation, Bahrain. Um, and the leaders here, welcome and good morning. Like what Joby said earlier, my name is Mitch, and it's my privilege to welcome—it's my privilege to welcome you in the church. Now, to those of you who are joining for the, us for the very first time, I'd like to introduce to you my wonderful family. All right, uh, that's my daughter uh, beside me on my right, right, and that's my wife. Uh, who has baptized me to be Canadian, and I'll tell you about that joke later. And that's my son who's currently in the Philippines. He's single and he's looking, all right? Now, but that's, that, that, I'm, that's not the truth, okay? I'm, I'm joking. My son is currently happy, focusing in his career. Unfortunately, even if I would like to have grandchildren, he's not looking. And we'll talk about the truth a lot today. Okay, we'll talk about the truth a lot today. Now, um, if you're joining us for the very first time, I believe that it's not an accident that you're here. And the reason behind that is because we, our, our social medias are, because of the internet, right, have been proliferated with fake news. Now, who knows fake news? Okay, all right, thank you so much. All right, now to liven things up, Right, to liven things up, let's have a contest. Alright, who wants to have a contest? Alright, who's competitive here? Okay, I'm gonna show three photos, and whoever gets it right, okay, they have a prize. Alright, they have a prize, courtesy of Honeywell UOP. Right, it's a gift that was given to me, and I'm giving it to you. Okay, um, whoever guesses the photo correctly will get a beautiful highlighter with markers. All right, it's, it's, it's one of a kind, it's cute. All right, this is the first photo. Now, what's this? Footprint in the sun. The sun, yes, footprint in the sun, okay. Okay, who says it's the first footprint in the moon? All right, because I don't have enough gifts, all of you are wrong. Right. Now, the second photo, what's the second photo? It's the, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> right? It's 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 the Concord, Concord. Right? What happened to the Concord? It crashed. Right? Is it? Is it? Right. Okay. Now who guessed that without me saying? No one. Okay. Jean, you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> but it's it seems like it's true, right? And the other one would be, okay, what's this? It happened in Indonesia. All right, the tsunami in Indonesia. All right, who guessed that? All right, Ate, okay, again, because I don't have enough gifts, you're wrong, all right? Now, that's, what, that's the problem that we, will, that we are actually facing today. All right, let's go back to the first photo. Who said that this is the first footprint in the moon? A lot. But the truth is, it's this. 
right? It's, it's a shape, and then they just, you know, put it in cement. It's actually cement, and that's, that's what it is. Now, the second photo is Concord. It's the, it's the crash at, uh, that happened with Concord before it finally retired. And it looks like it's real, but it's actually this. And lastly, the tsunami in Indonesia, right? Imagine you were swimming there and then a tsunami came. But don't worry because it's actually this. You see my slide changer? Works. Okay? <clears throat> just like what Yobi said, just click it, you know? Um, and according to an article written by Rob, not Rob Pedrosa, okay? It's written by Rob Wijnaburg. <laughs> It's so hard to pronounce, right? An article written by Rob Wijnaldum, uh, who is a who is, I think, one of the founders of a website called thecorrespondent.com. The truth has become whatever that makes us. What did Yovi say? Click. click. So just click it, okay? But unfortunately, truth has been, you know, degraded to whatever that makes us click. If my wife and I click together, that means we truly love each other because it clicks. And he further says that misinformation campaigns and our social media timelines are actually flooded with what? Fake news stories. Now, whoever, how, how among you have experienced that, that you believe that the news was so true that you kept sharing it and sharing it and sharing it, it became viral, only to find out that it was fake. Uh, have you experienced that? Right? And it gets sadder from there. It gets sadder from there. A new theory has emerged that we now live in what? A post-truth society. Wow! And we thought that because of the internet, it information is readily made available for us but the problem with that is that we are flooded with fake news and we believe whatever is what whatever makes us comfortable that we now right regardless of if if your generation x y z millennial z, where okay i'm from generation z just to be clear okay um, whatever generation you come from, that we now have been branded as a generation or a post-truth society, which means that, you know, there's no really truth. Truth is a variable. Right? A world in which no truth no longer matters, where facts are countered by what? Alternative facts. Like get-rich-quick schemes. How to be saved in 10 days, you know? And the reality, or how to fall in love. What was that movie? How to... How to lose a guy in 10 days. Okay, thank you, Yobi. How to go lose a guy in 10 days, right? Alternative facts and reality is more about what? About your media diet, what you consume in your social media. That's your reality now. And what about the, uh, the things that about the world as it is today. It's just saying that the reality that we consume, the reality that we believe in, the reality that we act on upon, 
is what we consume in our social medias and what we see in the world today. We see that it's almost winter. Who's happy? Amen. It's almost winter. And therefore, we start bringing out our winter clothes, right? Because that's what we see. We act upon the truth that we consume. And while I don't know the basis of where he is coming from, I really don't know. But if we are honest with ourselves, there's a taint of truth in what he is saying. Our truth has become what is comfortable for us. Have you noticed that? How do you notice that? That we no longer need to exercise? Or, or is it just me? Right? I no longer have to walk. Right? I just go out of the house, get in my, car, in my car, and just go to office. And for me, that's my truth. But the real truth is we have to exercise. Now, he further says that <clears throat> an obvious question we often forget to ask in all this theorizing seems to be what is truth? Have you ever asked that question? Have, when, when, you come see a, when you see a post on Facebook or on Instagram or on Snapchat that you're comfortable with, <clears throat> have you ever questioned, is it still the truth? Or you, did you accept it as it is? Now, if we are post-truth as a society, the question would be post-truth, right? There's a transition. Pre and post. There's a transition, right? Now, if we are po a post-truth society, which truth then have we left behind? Hello? Are you still with me? What truth has we left, have we left behind? And perhaps an even more important question that we have to ask ourselves is this. What truth, if anything, has taken the place of real, sure, right, pure, and clean truth? Because for a truth to be a truth, it has to be real, sure, right, pure, and clean. Because if it's not all of that, is it still the truth? Are you with me? Now turn your Bibles with me to the book of Psalms and we'll, we'll talk about it more. Turn your book of, uh, with me to the book of Psalms. Three verses, 30 minutes, 30 minutes each verse. Right. We, we have a worship services coordinator now that if I fail to finish in the time allotted, he will come, she will come upstairs and drag me down. All right? So if you see someone, a lady specifically coming here in the stage, dragging me down, just hold her back. Okay. Psalms 19.7-9, are you there with me? There's a big Bible in front. I hope you can read it from there. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And finally, verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The, the rules of the Lord are true. Now, let's all just bow our heads. 
and, and, and dedicate this time for the Lord. Father, we just thank you, Lord God, for this time. This time, Lord God, that we dive into your word. And as we dive into your word, Father, may you give us the grace and the heart, Lord God, and the compassion, and the, Lord God, even, Lord God, your strength and your wisdom to go back to your word, Lord, whenever we face something that we think is not the truth. Father, help us to love your word so that we can, we can study it, obey it, apply it, and proclaim it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, let me just share a little context. In verses 1 to 6, David writes about how creation implies the existence of a creator. Right? Verse 1 to 6, David writes about how creation implies the creator. Right? Now, creation tells us that God is the creator, is so wise that he planned and powerfully created everything that you see today. God spoke the word, and it came to be. Amen? Let there be Kaila. And they gave us two Kailas. Right? Let there be, you know, Yobi. And God gave Yobi minus what? The click. Okay? <laughs> now, what I'm trying to say is this. Just by creation alone, because it is so complex and it is so difficult to maintain, that itself is an evidence that there is a creator. Amen? That itself is an evidence that there is a creator. Now, I remember one time when Ati Jen was preaching and she shared that if the level of oxygen is higher for a, a certain percentage, earth will burn. Now, if it's lower than that, it cannot sustain life. So imagine that. If God did not create the world then the oxygen level will not be perfect for you and me. Amen? But we are, so some, are sometimes so stubborn that we, you know, just pollute the world. Now, creation is an evidence that there is a creator, right? So when time comes that men meet God, okay, they cannot make any excuse that they don't know about God. Because in Psalm 19, verse 4, it says that the whole world has heard about him through his creation. Clear? Alright, that's the context. Now, David knew that God was speaking to man through what? Through his creation. But that is general revelation and that is not enough. Right? David knew that general creation, general Revelation is not enough. And general revelation is God speaking or showing what He has created as an evidence of Himself. So that is not enough. And therefore, He moved to special revelation. Right? Special revelation. Special revelation is actually something that we need. God does not need anything because He is complete. We need special revelation. It is God's grace. We need that, okay? I can't overstress that enough and I can't overemphasize that enough, but we need special creation. But what happens is that we get our Bibles and we leave them in the corner and never even touch it. Alright? But what happens is that when everything seems so busy at work, we, we watch Netflix until 12. Oh, I'm sorry, Lord. And then wake up at 7, take a bath, and just go straight to work without even praying or reading our Bible in the morning. Our Bible, therefore, takes, takes the back seat. 
thinking that, you know, God gave me the Bible so that God can control me. No. That's not the truth. The truth is, God gave the Bible because we need the Bible. So the question would be, do you value the Bible enough? Do you look at the Bible as your single source of truth? Do you look at the Bible as the single source of, your, of, of authority in your life? Or it takes the back seat because it does not click with you? We need the Bible. Today, my prayer is that we realize how much we need the Bible and act on it. It's different between, with, with just knowing what's written in the Bible. It's different with just opening your Bible and reading it and not doing anything about it. It's different. When we realize, if we realize, and that's my prayer today, that we realize the importance of the Bible, that we not only look at it, read it, put it in our mind, but act on it. Because it's what we need. It's what we need. If we see the Bible and recognize it as an authority in our life, naturally, we will obey it. Naturally, we will see God's heart in the Bible. And naturally, we will also proclaim it. Are you there right now? Are you at that point where you read your Bible, you're so convinced about it that you act on it, lift it, obey it, and proclaim it? Are you there right now? Because I'm not yet there. And I hope my prayer is that after this service, God will give us that grace not only to read, act, obey, but apply it and proclaim it. Amen? Verse 7. And here's the reasons why. Okay? I have, crea- I have, uh, I have created a handle right, of sorts of what I'm going to be talking about today. So I'm not sure if the word name is correct, right? But this is ref- in reference of the law of the of the word of the Lord, and uh, next to that is the attribute. It's perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and next to that is the effect. But if you notice, on the last part, on the sixth section, it says uh, it doesn't have an effect, but rather an attribute. Okay, we'll go through this one by one, and hopefully we finish before the worship services coordinator drag me down the stage. Right? Verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The law of the Lord. This means God's instructions. The law means God's instructions. The law means God's direction. And the law means God's teaching. Well, the fundamental of the Torah, or the law, or the Torah, right? The five, first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, Alright? While that is the fundamentals of the law, in a broader sense, it refers to what? Not only to the Torah, but to all of God's instructions. Okay? To all. So from Genesis to Revelation, I don't know if we should conclude concordance, right? And definitions and weights and scale, but it's everything, all the directions, all the things that are written in the Bible, that is the law of the Lord. It, it, it refers to all of God's instructions, not some, not some that's comfortable with you and not some that you just want to click with, but all. So listen to this. So to not obey the law in the Bible means what? A single dot of the law. If you don't obey that, that means what? It means we have rebelled against the Lord. It's as simple as that. Right? 
we are all in Bahrain, correct? Amen, we're here. <laughs> are you with me? Right? If we break one single law of this country, are, 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 I mean, that's, that only means that we are lawbreakers, right? So if the speed is 80 and you're running at 85 and someone is smiling in the front, okay, that means what? You broke the law, right? If you're driving and holding your mobile phones, what does that mean? You broke the law, right? And there is no excuse because it, it, there has been, it has been publicized, it has been you know, shared on the internet, and so on and so forth. So whatever you do that is not according to law, that means that you are a lawbreaker. Right? Students, right? Who are the students here? Come on, raise your hand, raise your hand. Come on, come on, don't be shy, don't be shy. Don't be shy. All right? All right, right. What do teachers say always? It says, do not cheat. Come on, right? Right? Do not cheat. So if you're doing your exams at home and you open your book without permission, what does that mean? Cheating. Right? You're a what? You're a lawbreaker. Amen? Husband and wives. Okay? Husbands, listen here. Adultery is what? It's not just committing it, but what? Again? Adultery is not just committing the act of adultery, but what? Again? Just by looking with lust in your eyes, you're already committing adultery. So if you've done that, you're a lawbreaker. And therefore, you are a sinner. It doesn't matter what sin you've committed, as long as you've broke one single law, you're a sinner. Why am I smiling? I don't know. Okay? So, in short, this is the law of God. And this is very basic, and I hope that I tried to make it more appealing to the younger generation. Right? The law of God, in short, is the spot-on instruction of God to know and serve Him. Spot-on instruction. That means it's perfect. Okay? So what's the purpose of the law? Right? I just want to say this. Galatians 3.24 says this. So, that, so then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. The law never encourages nor teaches sinners to save themselves. Again, spot on instructions. What is written and what is not written. Okay? Spot on. Complete. Inerrant. Invaluable. That's the law of God. Alright? The law never encourages nor teaches, teaches sinners to save themselves. Okay? We can never be saved by works. We can never be saved by works. The law specifically reveals how sinful we are, right? How sinful we are 
and that we can never save ourselves. That's the law. It's a guardian. We are eternally, spiritually dead. What's the, again, why did they say that? What's the penalty of sin? Death. So if we sinned, that means we're dead. Okay? The law, again, cannot save us. We are eternally, spiritually dead because of our sins. Yes, the world says that we can save ourselves by works, but the word does not. Okay? If we really trust the Bible, we need to accept this. That the work that our, the works we do can never save us. Because it's what's written in the Bible. You're, you cannot be saved by works. Now, why do we still insist? Because of pride, maybe, because of ego. And when all fails, you know what? It hurts. And I'll come back to that death later, right? Uh, and when that happens, actually, I'm going to go off script, right? <laughs> um, sure, the world can, world can offer solutions to our sinful nature, right? Because of our sinful nature, we get sick, we get anxiety. Sure, the world can offer that. But the problem with that is this. What they offer is not what the Bible offers. And if what they offer is not the Bible offers, that means it's bound to fail. And when it fails, it hurts. When it fails, it really hurts, right? We see our... Uh, now, just like... So what then can we trust? Or who then can we trust? Just like our classmates who had... Like, when all of us had classmates, of course. But just like, you know, remember your times when your classmates, um, perfect exam always. Or, or, you know, when they keep raising their hands in graded recitation, it just gets annoying. You know? uh, when you have a problem in class, who do you go to? Those classmates, right? Because they're smart. Amen? Now, we have something better than classmates getting the perfect score. We have something better than office mates who are employees of the decade. Okay? We have something better than the best doctors. We have something better than the best counselors. And what is that? The Bible. The law of the Lord. Now, go back to verse 7. It says here, The law of the Lord is what? Perfect. And if it's perfect... Therefore, you can trust it. And back to my example earlier about sin causing us death. It says here that the law of the Lord is perfect, therefore it revives the soul. Now, what does revive mean? Okay, what does revive mean? It's not... Okay, that's one. Or a dying business coming back to life, right? But in the basic sense, revive means returning to. Or returning back to. If you're dying, you get revived, you return back to life. If your business is having a problem, you want to revive it, it becomes profitable. So reviving means that you're returning back to. Amen? 
Revive actually means nefesh in Greek. Or, yeah, Greek. Nefesh. Nefesh means this. And, and it's, it's the reason why I inserted this Greek word. Nefesh means personal identity of the individual unique or unique personhood. So you have, I mean, nefesh is the soul, okay? Not revive. So when we sin, we die spiritually. When we die spiritually, we decay. Okay? We decay. We start consuming the things of the world. And since what, if we consume the things of the world, we act like the world. So when we act like the world, we get farther and farther away from God. And therefore, we need revival. Our soul needs revival. And we get that from the word of the Lord. We return to the Lord. Our nefesh returns to the Lord. And nefesh means this. Personal identity of the individual's unique personhood. Psalm 43.5 says this. The soul can also be defined as the description. I mean, it's just a paraphrase. As the description of a person's spirit shaped by their choices on the earth. Right? A person, nefesh, unique identity, right? And nefesh, right? Nefesh is defined and shaped by the choices we make on earth. So therefore, the description of it is a description of a person's spirit shaped by our choices on earth. It gets boring from here, right? Right? Now, if this is what's happening, if nefesh shows how we act and we are being revived, revival means then it's how much we invest God's gift of life in us, in our lives. Get, give me a moment to... Um, how do you know that a person is, or an, an object is dead? It's not moving. Right? My fish died last night. Yeah, after someone declared it. Okay. And Rashid looks at me with a stinky eye. Because my fish died. <laughs> right? My fish died because it's not moving. I know that my fish died is not moving. Right? If it gets revived, right, if I pump it and I, I, I put it in the um, hospital tank, then maybe it will live again and move. Okay? So we know that an object is dead when it's not moving. Amen? There's no change. It's not growing. Now, if the life of God is in you, it moves. You move because you're alive. Right? The how much you are alive, right, reveals the extent to which our, uh, how much we invest God's gift of life in us is. Clear? How much we invest God's life. Uh, how much you have been changed by God's word. Clear? Okay? It, that's, how, that's the degree of how much we are revived. Now, we all have a disease that needs to be healed. We all have this big empty space in our hearts that needs to be filled. Right? We need a revival. And where shall we get that revival from? The, word, the law of the Lord. I hope I explained that. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, we need a revival and we can find that 
by reading God's Word. Now, if you are in doubt, you know what you have to do is you to read his testimonies. Verse 7b. Okay? The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. How much do, how, how do we know if we are being affected by the word of the Lord? It's how much we have been changed by the word. Sometimes we come to a point where it's difficult to believe the Lord. Have you been there? Have you been in a point where it's difficult to, to believe the Lord? There, here's what you do. You go back to the Bible and read the testimonies of the Lord. Because the testimony of the Lord is sure. Right? Gene spoke about that last week. It can be proven by science. It can be proven by history. It can be proven by archaeology. God's testimonies is sure. You know what? If you read Psalms 19, 1-6, you know what David is talking about here? David is talking about light years. He's talking about light years there. Now, in science experiments, now let me tell you what is sure, okay? Sure is what is firm and proven. Firm and proven, right? Science experiments. Before you do your science, okay, science majors. Before you do an experiment, what do you do? You create a theory, Theory is what? It's a scientific guess. means that there is already studies behind it. That's why you have your theory. But for you to prove your theory to be correct, you have to do your experiment, right? And after experiment, it becomes a conclusion because it has been proven. There is a backing. Now, when someone firmly proclaims that he loves you, how do you know that he loves you? How do you confirm that? Come on. <laughs> right? By testing it. By testing it. When you're sick, did he leave you? When you're when you're you know when you're down, right? Did she leave you? Testing it. Now, the testimony of the Lord is sure, right? All of God's scriptures are God's witnesses to us of who He is. All of God's scriptures. From Genesis to Revelation, all of God's scriptures is a testimony of who He is, that he, what He has said and done. It's sure in what He wants us to be and do. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever seen God's Word as a testimony rather than a creative story? What's the difference between a testimony and a creative story? One is fictional, one is true. Now, I don't know how about you, but I have experienced God's work through me and through my family. There are times when we have nothing, I won't say nothing to eat because it's not evident, no? There are times when we have nothing to spend. Okay? But God always came through and provided. Because He is true. 
His testimony is true. When God says He loves you, He loves you. What did He do? Right? When 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 I said when someone says I love you to me, I don't know what He's gonna do or what she's gonna do. Hopefully, it's not a he, right? I hope it's a she. But when God said He loved you, what did He do? He sent His son son to die for you. If that's not enough testimony, then I don't know what. If that's not, you know, if what he did doesn't make you sure and confident in his testimonies, I don't know what. Christ is not a fictional character. He has, you know, there are, you know, there, there's been, it's been written in history about his truth, that he is truth. Historians said that Christ is true. Go to Israel. There is a tomb of Christ for you to see. Unfortunately, it's empty. Why? Because He has risen. He has risen. And it's, no, it's not only one or two people that prove that He has risen. Thousands prove that He has risen. Why? Because they have seen Him with their very eyes. I don't know what you're going through right now, but if you're going through doubt, if you're doubting the word of God right now, go back to his testimonies. Listen to his testimonies. Because he is sure. And as you listen to his testimonies, as you read his testimonies, you become wise. You become wise. And I have seen many people who have lacked education and proper upbringing but they gain tremendous wisdom in life and godliness not because they are smart but, but because they were like a child who trusted and accepted and absorbed the word of God. Have you seen a child, two-year-old debate with you? You tell you, oh no, you know what? Uh, uh, Oxygen is, is, is uh, the chemical structure for oxygen is O2. Is it chemical structure or the formula? I can't remember. O2. Will a two-year-old child say, no, 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 that's CO2. He won't say that. He will accept what you say. And if we are like children who absorb the word of God, consume the word of God, we will become wiser. Why? Verse 8, it says this, because his precepts are right. Not wrong, right. They, the Jews know that the precepts of the Lord are right. The simple-minded know that the precepts of the Lord are right. And they accept it as it is. They are morally, practically, and universally right. It's not just right morally. It's not just right practically. But it is right universally, morally, practically. Statutes are actually detailed, or precepts are actually detailed instructions on the practical matters of everyday life. That's how accurate the Bible is. Detailed instructions of practical matters of everyday life. And as a result, of course, right, if you do everything correctly, 
what would happen? Right? You will rejoice. You will get bonuses. Amen? Right? And as a result, it produces joy. But it's not just simple joy that fades. Your love life, sadly, it will fade. Okay? It will fade. Your bank accounts, it will fade. Your studies, what you have right now, it will fail. Your designer shoes, it will fail. It will fade. Everything will fade. But the word of the Lord will remain. And if we base our joy on the word of the Lord, our joy is everlasting. Why? Because that joy is beyond our understanding. <sighs> it reminds me of the problems that I went through this week. Okay, office mate, where are you? Wave your hand. Okay. So we faced a problem this week in the office. Actually, my department faced a problem in the office. And that I suddenly start, started hyperventilating. Like it was difficult for me to breathe. And you know what I did? I opened my Apple phone, not Android. <laughs> and opened my Bible in my Apple phone. Okay? And I read the verse, Judas hanged himself. But I remember when I opened that, by, that, 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 that my phone. I, rem- uh, it, I went to that verse that I love so much and that verse is the reason why I am here right now. And what's that verse? The very famous verse, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son and that just you know, made me calm again. Now, they take, no, the problem is not the Word of God. And I just want to be practical right now. The problem is not the Word of God. The problem is the people of God. Okay? Why? Because instead of using the Word to give life, they use the word to control life. Okay? The problem is not the word of God. The problem is the people of God because sometimes we take the word of God to control the life of others instead of give them life. Now, I borrowed this illustration from Pastor Dennis. Now, some people view the Bible as discriminatory as, and it says that it devaluates women. Have, did that... Have you encountered that? That Bible devaluates women? Right? Okay. Turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians 5. Okay. It says here, wives. Wife. <laughs> okay. Submit, your, your, uh, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Right? Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives, okay, twice it says, wives, submit to your, uh, wives should also submit 
in everything to their husbands. So what happens is that, wife, I want to eat um, crispy pork today. And the wife said, no, your cholesterol is high. And then I will bring out the verse. Whoop! Ephesians chapter 5.22 Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. You don't have any excuse. You have to cook my crispy pork. Okay? Okay? Why? Wife, I want to buy a new gadget. I want to buy iPhone 15. Alright? And the wife will say, Husband, we don't have any budget. I will bring it out again. <laughs> Wives! But I only have one wife, okay? <laughs> Just to be sure. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And later on, after that month, they will have a wife conference. Okay? Wife conference. And they will raise all these issues. And they will protest against all the husbands. But the problem is this. That husband took the word out of context and it's using it now to control the wife. But the truth is, it's supposed to be the husband that has to be scared. Husbands, be scared. Future husbands, be scared. <laughs> okay? Before you start courting someone else, be scared. You know why? Because down the road, it says here, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And what? Gave himself up for her. It means dying to yourself. So when I say, Wife, make me crispy pork. My wife will answer, Okay, because I have to submit to you. I will make crispy pork. But you will die soon. <laughs> right? So those who are planning to get married, right, take this as a warning, okay? But that's okay, okay? It's still okay. Because it is in God's word that we husbands and future husbands can trust what the Word says, even if it means our life. Why? Because His precepts is right. It is, re it is reduced. Oh, no, no, not reduced, okay? It, it produces rejoicing in the heart. Amen? It's not, it is reduced, you know, the... the the blood vessel of your heart is reduced like that and then blood cannot flow. But no, it produces rejoicing in the heart. Now, who among you believe that? That the God's word produces rejoicing in the heart. Now, if it's difficult for you to believe it, maybe because it's, we don't understand it properly, now my encouragement is for you to just keep on studying the word and keep on trusting the word like the simple-minded child. Now, if you uh, you're still have difficulties, please join the life groups. We have life groups coming, do, being done over the week. You can also approach the life group leaders or the life group leaders here, and they will be happy to help you grow in your knowledge of the Word. Amen? Verse 8, The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening 
the eyes. God's commandments are God's orders that direct us to His preferred will. Get that? God's commandments are God's orders that direct us to His preferred will. Now, there's a challenge that. There's a tension there. If God is directing me to His will, where is my freedom? Right? Where is my freedom? That's the question. But you know what? You can still trust God's will because God's will for you is good, pleasing, and perfect. If God's will for you is to study now, study like crazy because that's God's will for you. It's good, pleasing, and perfect. Sooner or later, you will have your freedom. If God's will for you right now is to love your wife, do it. Why? Because His will for you is good, pleasing, and perfect. If it's God's will for you to right now to wait for that perfect person, okay, who's waiting? Amen. Amen. Wait. Don't settle for anything less because God's will is what? Good, pleasing, and perfect. Don't settle for anything less. Amen? Amen. Now, you can trust His will because it is pure. It's unadulterated and it's not manipulative. Man's will is the one that's manipulative. Right? A child giving up his toy because he wants burgers. That's manipulation. Who are the parents here with babies? Right? There will come a time when your, when your baby will look, look at you like a cat, you know, like, like really cute one, because he wants something from you. When someone likes you, when someone is courting you, what do they show? They're good, they show their perfect, you know, their their best foot forward. Why? Because they're manipulating you. Because they want you to love, they want them to love you back. Right? But if that person loves you more than, more than he loves God, or if that person loves you more than she loves God, I'm telling you that person does not how, know how to love. Because he cannot give what he doesn't have. Humans are normally selfish and manipulative, but God is complete. He doesn't need anything, so we can be sure that His commandments for us is pure, and it's for our own good. But the challenge would be, it's hard to obey God's commands. Amen? It's hard. Oh, I like her because she's so cute. I will give up my life like Christ gave up His life for the church. I like her. You know, like... So if when God says, no, she's not, the right, he's not the right person for you, she's not the right person for you. And it's not, he's not doing it for his own purpose, because he needs you to do it. He's doing it because his will for you is what? Good, pleasing, and perfect. Don't hurt each other. We have counseling later. You know Gold. When gold is mined, it's not perfect. There will be blemishes. There are like metals inside of it. There will be soil inside of it. Gold 
it's refined, and once it's refined, it becomes pure gold. Look at your seatmate. Look at your seatmate. Okay. You know what? Your seatmate, seatmate, your seatmate is actually gold in God's eyes. Right? Are your, are your eyes enlightened? <laughs> but, okay, but, okay, again, God's commands are difficult to obey, but we have the Holy Spirit. God's commands are, uh, is there to make us pure. That as, if, if, even if it's difficult to follow God's command, as we follow God's command, He purifies us. There are times, 30 minutes left, thank you. There are times when, I have to finish, no more jokes. There are times when it's difficult to follow God's command. And you don't know the reason why God is asking you to do that command. Listen to this, but do it anyway. Because if you do it, when you do it, and after you do it, you will understand the reason why He gave that command. So that as we obey God's command, we know more about Him. As we know more about Him, we become what? Enlightened. Amen? Let's go to verse 9. <laughs> the fear of the Lord. Now, if we are honest with ourselves, okay, the name of the Lord, the, the, name, the, what the word that He used here is about very heavy. Right? The fear of the Lord is clean. Enduring forever. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Uh, we cannot study the Word of God unless we show respect and reverence for His Word. We cannot. We cannot study or learn the Word of God unless we show reverence and respect for God's Word. To teach the Bible is actually to teach fear of God. To teach the Bible is to teach fear of God. And the mark of a true student of the Bible is passion to read the Bible. Right? Passion. And let me move this so that I don't see the time. The mark of a true student of the Word is passion to know more about God. Listen to this. And not a bloated head. Sometimes, when we think that we know so much about God, that our heads get bloated. And we think that we are God's advance party. We are not. The more I study the Word of God, the more I see how sinful I am. The more I see how sinful I am, the more I am humbled. The more I am humbled, the more I experience His grace and His mercy. And the more I experience His grace and His mercy, the more excited I am to proclaim Him to the world. 1 Corinthians 8.1 says this, Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. Concerning food for the idols, all of us know 
that we possess knowledge. Concerning sin, all of us know that we possess knowledge about sin. Concerning the bad things we do in school, all of us know and the principal knows also concerning the bad things we do in school. All of us know. This knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. And finally, verse 9b, the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Now, have you noticed? There's no application. Unlike the previous verses, there's no effect. Maybe perhaps David knew that we already understand it. But he summarized all of it by saying, there is nothing false or unrighteous in God's word. That's my introduction. Four revelations I had while studying this word. Okay? If, there's not, uh, if there are things that are unclear with the preaching today, um, you, may, you may approach Jean Anthony. I will go home. Four revelations I had studying God's word today. Right? First one, we need to study the word of God. We need to invest time as if when we were studying for an exam. Because when we get tested and we pass the test, you will realize, wow, God, thank you. I experience your faithfulness again. Number two, obey the word of God. Again, if you let the word of God, the knowledge that you, you gain from studying the word of God remain in your head, you're going to be bloated. And soon you're going to be explode. If you want to test how faithful God is, if you want to know how faithful God is, study His Word and obey it. It builds up your faith. Obey the Word of God. Number three, apply the Word of God. Don't just obey it. Apply it. Forgiveness, for example. We all know that God has forgiven us. We all know that, you know, whatever unforgiveness that we have, we can lay it on the cross. That the cross took all of our sin and our suffering. We all know that. Question. How about that person that hurt you? How about that person that offended you? Have you forgiven her or him? How about that person who keeps on hurting you? Have you forgiven that person? Study. Obey. Apply. And lastly, proclaim. Okay? Proclaim. If you've studied the Word, you've obeyed the Word, and you applied the Word, that means that you have experienced God. And if you have experienced God, you are a witness. Witness. You're not sharing something that's new. You're not sharing something that's vague. You're sharing something that you have experienced or seen or heard. Proclaim. Like, when, like how excited you are to post, you know, 
Korean novellas you've watched. Like how excited you are of getting a new job and posting it on Facebook, on Twitter, on Snapchat, on Instagram. There's so much social media now. Like how excited you were when you posted that. When you posted updates in your life. Be excited to proclaim God's word. Because that is a testimony of His faithfulness. General creation, special, a general revelation, special revelation. Once you've understood special revelation, there's still a lot of people that you can reach out to. They're lost in general revelation. They know that God exists because they see the world, but do they know that God saves? Do they know that God provides? Do they know that God heals? If you have become witnesses to that, proclaim they need the message of God. And lastly, John 14, 5 to 6. I read from verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled, Jesus said. Believe in God. Believe also in me. That's what Jesus said. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would, not, I, would I have told you that I will go to prepare a place for you. There's a place for you in heaven. If you know that, then it doesn't matter what happens to you here because there's something big waiting for you in heaven. And if I go and prepare a place for you, it says here, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Bahrain, they say, like Panama is a Panama, is a, a place that's full of fish. Bahrain is actually, research has so, show that it was the Garden of Eden. Now, if you're experiencing paradise here, and there's still, you know, troubles here and there, what more when you go to heaven with God? That's Jesus saying to his disciples. Then he further says, Where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Verse 4. Jesus said to the twelve disciples, You know the way to where I am going. But then one of the disciples says this, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And I want you, let, let's just think, you know, meditate on that. Let's just close our eyes right now. And why don't we all stand? You know the Lord. You know where He's going. You know where He's taking you. You know He exists. You know He is faithful. You know He is true. You know where He is taking you. But are there areas of your life right now where you think you're like Thomas? He's in the presence of the Lord. Like Thomas, he's in the presence of the Lord. But he's asking himself, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? 
Are you that person right now? Are you asking yourself, Lord, I know you're in heaven right now. I know you're preparing the way for me. But how can we know the way? Verse 6 says this. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. The way is not a right way of living. The way is not a path. The way is not a list of do's and don'ts. The way is a person. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I am asking you right now. In fact, I want to beg you right now. If you're like Thomas, who doesn't know the way, go back to the scriptures. Meditate on it day and night. Study it, obey it, apply it, and proclaim it. I am asking you right now to just go back to the scriptures. Meditate on on it. And my prayer is that as you meditate on it, you will find Jesus Christ. If you need help, approach us. We'll be happy and eager to help you start a relationship with Him. Introduce you to the only way, to the only truth, and to the only hope. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for today. We thank you, Lord God, for your word. We thank you, Lord God, for your mercy, your grace. And Father, right now, I know, Lord God, that some of us have lost our ways. Some of us, Lord God, have diverted, Lord God, from your way, from you. Some of us, Lord God, have even turned our backs from you. And some of us, Lord God, don't even have a relationship with you. Father, right now, I ask, Lord, that you just touch the heart of that person right now. And I pray, Lord God, that at this very moment, Lord God, he is feeling your hands on his chest. Lord, convict this person right now. Remind him, Lord, that the truth is not what the world reveals, Lord, but the truth is what the Word reveals through your Son, Jesus Christ. And I pray right now for that person, Lord God, you're touching him right now. Now, if you're that person, if you feel that God is touching you right now, if God's convicting you right now because you've diverted from the road, you've diverted from the truth, if you're that person, I just want you to raise your hands briefly and then put it down. Raise your hands briefly and put it down. Thank you for raising your hands. Thank you for raising your hands. Thank you for being humble and raising your hands. Father, you saw the hands that were raised. And Father, right now, Lord God, I ask, Lord, that you comfort them. Remind them, Lord God, that they have a relationship with you that will never be shaken. Father, remind them, Lord God, that their foundation is on standing on a firm foundation that is you and you alone. Father, may you grant them, Lord God, peace as they repent, Lord God, from turning their ways, Lord God, and may you give them wisdom, Lord, so that they can see the path that is you and you alone. 
Father, I pray even, Lord God, right now, Lord God, that whatever sins that they have committed, if you've raised your hands, just confess what you've done, whisper it, confess it to the Lord. Sorry, Father, I have sinned. Father, forgive me for I have sinned. Now, if you've confessed, I want you to accept God's forgiveness. God's comfort. God's peace. Lord, forgive us for we have sinned. Return us back, Father, to where you want us to be. And give us the grace to study your word, obey it, apply it, Lord. And with our lives, proclaim it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's learn all of our hands to receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and give you peace and be gracious to you. May He number your days so that you value His word more than honey from the honeycomb, more than pure gold. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're now dismissed. Um, and then as we close, all right, we have a sponsor today. Let's all sing happy birthday to Rich. All right, can I ask the music team? <laughs>